Hey everybody, welcome back to Colony Drop, your favorite Gundam podcast. My name is Isaac. And my name is Brian, and this is a podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to the Mobile Suit Gundam franchise. From the anime to the movie to the music to the models to the food to the clothes, you name it, we do it all. Isn't that right, Isaac? That's right, and today we're going to take two big bites out of <laughs> some Gundam food for your eyes that's called a manga. <laughs> <laughs> i was really nervous that i misunderstood the assignment and we were actually going to talk about food brian we're going to talk about cheeseburgers today <laughs> what kind of cheeseburger do you think they have at site three <laughs> you know listeners i did actually want to do an episode on gundam food but most of the gundam food is located at the, at the gundam cafes which it seems like most of them are going to shut down soon so i didn't want to actually do that episode because it's kind of sad <laughs> that bones me out <laughs> Thanks, pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I, I think one of them may have gotten an extension. I'd have to go uh, recheck the news on that. But if you're in Japan, I would go to the Gundam Cafe soon because it <laughs> seems like they won't be around all, all that long. Hopefully they'll replace by something else similar. But yeah. Our three Japanese listeners, <laughs> Toshiro, <laughs> Yumi, and Hitomi, <laughs> get on down to that cafe before they close it next month. And bring Isaac all of your Gundam ice cream. Pack it in dry ice and ship it. <laughs> <laughs> when I went there, Isaac, I had Sharzaku ice cream. It was like a, a red sherbet. It was delicious. Of course, you know he's a traitor. <laughs> yeah. well, <laughs> revenge is a dish best served cold. Ah, uh, yes. It's cold as sherbet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yes. What we're actually going to talk about today, Isaac, is volume two of Crossbone Gundam Steel 7. That's right. All right, Isaac. So let's jump back into it here. Correct me if I'm wrong, but when we left off... Our heroes were searching for the Death Gale squad. They had found Geary. They had found Burns. And just when they had found Geary, Shadow had arrived. And the two looked at each other. And everyone thought, what's going to happen now? That's right. We'd just been reintroduced to Geary. And as usual, the Jupiter Empire just seemingly is able to fly into Earth whenever they want. <laughs> Isaac is really upset that the Federation has not locked down the Earth sphere better in terms of just flight protocols and... <laughs> passport checks in their defense do you think like they're only oriented around like stopping a large fleet that's why like a single ship can kind of slip through probably i mean space is big right so yeah i mean maybe you could detect them on the centers but if you don't stop what, what are they going to do come after you and they're whatever they use now they can't be using jeggins right they, what do they use heavy guns hardy guns whatever they're using it's not enough we'll put it there <laughs> exactly so the jovians arrive some jupiter gundams land and things look bad Right away, Isaac, the whole Geary idea looks like not a good idea. Because Geary knocks down Tobia and tells everyone to surrender. Uh, he calls Callisto's shadow his excellency, and Shadow calls him number two. At this point, I'm like, oh man, this Geary thing is really backfiring here. What did you think? I thought this is like such a long play to have a sleeper agent, right? Someone yeah. like for years on the Earth, you know, they didn't even bother coming back to the Empire and then going to Earth. They just stayed on Earth after dogate's flawed plan failed so but yeah. i i suspected something else might be happening here because this is too too out of left field right something must be afoot of course so then geary kind of goes into his little master plan here right he reveals that europa is actually the spy because shadow he can see everything that she sees uh and light can too but it, apparently this is something that europa didn't even know isaac it's, it's one directional she she cannot see through theirs so she had no idea that, she, that they were seeing through hers and so they've been able to read her thoughts since they were children. And 
Now they do mention though that it gets harder to read when she's in love and it seems like she's fallen in love again recently. So again, Tobia's royal love problem continues to worsen. What a unfortunate situation this kid finds himself in all the time. Yeah, and <laughs> I like the little flashback scene where like they show the two Callistos kind of whispering and laughing as they like read her thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty violating, right? Yeah, but as we may gleam later on, it, it's not like word for word reading your thoughts. Right. So Yeah, that's true. Gary reveals this, and then Shadows, he, he plans to kill everyone and bring Europa back. But he spares Geary, Isaac. He says, you know what, but Geary, if you want to come back, that's cool too. And Geary says, of course. But then he spits at Shadow. And he says, even if I swear loyalty to Jupiter, I believe his quote is, I have not grown a tail that wags at a filthy president like you, or something like that. So this is a, an immediate about face here from Geary, Isaac. It turns out that he may not like Toby or our heroes, but he seems like he does not like Shadow either. Nope, he did not get his vote <laughs> in the last election. <laughs> he was Team Togedi all the way. <laughs> Geary then, he's like, you know what? Well, that, I was just acting to, to confirm my theory about Europa. So I guess he didn't really know that for a fact. By teasing it out and, and getting a reaction from Shadow, it, it was confirmed. So at this moment, the X-1 comes in on the nozzle, guns ablazing, and shoots some of the Jupiter Gundams. Turns out Bernadette is actually flying the X-1 to her credit while big coward guy Derek is in the nozzle. The nozzle is just a, f- a funny name for a support ship, Isaac. It's like a jet ski. Did we talk about this before? And to me, it looks like a sea dew. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. They wanted a mount for the Gundam that wasn't one of those usual mobile suit slides that we see. And this is what we got. <laughs> it's, it's essentially a speeder bike for the Gundam. <laughs> Which, I guess it's okay, but like, I don't know. For me, the the Gundams have never needed to use their hands to pilot whatever's transporting them. But I, yeah. I digress. We're in a manga world, so the rules are a little different than animation. <laughs> Shadow retreats, Europa, Tobia, and Geary give chase. But only Europa and Tobia make it on, on board into this little, I don't know, what would you call it? It's the thing that has beam rotors that, that the Jovians rode it on. It's like, a, it's like a helicopter, I guess. It's a Jovian tripod oh that's a good point like for more of the worlds yeah like right that. it was a very much a callback right because of, of course the jovians not only does it have propeller blades but guess what those propeller blades turn into legs <laughs> <laughs> it is creepy it is creepy and to hasagawa's credit i know there's a lot of people who maybe don't like the crossbone designs or the jovian designs he does a good job though of making the jovian stuff look alien might not be the right word but it, but different. different than anything we've seen before right it's definitely not zionic it's not crossbone. Maybe someone might be vaguely Zanskier Empire, but this takes place before, so that might be an influence. But yeah, it's definitely unique. So Shadow escapes back onto this Jovian tripod. And I want to give Europa some credit here, Isaac. She took a large machine gun with her. Did you did you notice that? Did you get a kick out of that? It, it was like one of the guns that you know Arnold has in Predator. It's just enormous for her small body. I mean, how does she carry it? <laughs> Uh, you know, with all her might, I think. Yeah, guns are heavy. This must be a special one that's, like, light. It's a, it's a ceramic. It's actually not metal. <laughs> Geary also throws Tobia a gun. So now Tobia and Europa are armed on the same tripod as Shadow. You know, they're obviously going to try to kill this dude. But Europa also realizes that Shadow and Light must have also then killed her former lover so that sh- that she would marry Dogady. It basically, in her moment of weakness, being like, oh, you need to do something good for the Jovian cause, and that would be marrying Dogady. Man, that's cold, Isaac. That's cold. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, (laughs) 
this is an extreme situation. <laughs> I mean, these are especially cold people, I suppose. But yes, that's <laughs> they're in unforgivable territory now. Similar to Dogati, right? Like eventually, at the end of the story, we we came to conclude that there was no redeeming qualities about Dogati, and I'm getting the same feeling about Shadow and Light here. <laughs> the more you learn about these presidents, the less you like them. <laughs> they are terrible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just such a cutthroat world at Jupiter, though, what it takes to become president. Can you imagine the alternative to Callisto? Well, who is that guy? I don't know. <laughs> who was Geary, like, originally wanting to vote for? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Geary voted for himself. Do you think he was the other guy? Uh, I don't see it. No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> from what we've seen for the presidents, they're not really from the actual military, right? True. They, they might have mobile suits or mobile armors, but it, it seems exclusively civilian. True. Yeah. Yeah. So Tobia drops down, you know, out of a shaft, John McClane style, and he punches Shadow in the face. I think this is the first time that Shadow's really been struck or, or hit, really. And he's shocked. He's bleeding. And he does the most logical thing, Isaac, that, that a, a villain should do in a situation like this. He uses the controls and he opens the door, and Tobia and Europa fall out. <laughs> and I thought that was, like, <laughs> the swiftest, you know, solution to the problem. Not only that, but, like, he took out the pilot that was in there from the Jupiter Empire. <laughs> Well, collateral damage, man. You can't, can't worry about those things. Yeah, I, at this point, they just treat them as robots, pretty much. <laughs> so our heroes are going to be saved here in a bit. Captain Harrison approaches in his F-91, and I, he, you know what? I was living. Give this guy an upgrade already. How do you not give Harrison, your, supposedly your best pilot in the Federation, an upgrade after the Jupiter War that was in your front yard? The, the Federation deserves to get beaten. I mean, look, I like the F-91. It's a cool suit. But it's like, it's pushing 13 years old at this point. That's never stopped the Federation before, which, need to remind you, is incredibly cheap. <laughs> yes, that's fair. <laughs> and has to think about the financials behind filling the ranks of their massive military compared to, you know, investing it in just a few powerful units. And uh, Harrison's role in that whole thing wasn't so much praised, right? It was maybe swept under the rug to an extent. Could have been, could have been. I'm just yeah. saying, though, they got their ass almost beat real bad. I, f I feel like they should arm up a little bit, and it doesn't seem like they've done that. No, but keep in mind, like, this might be what all they could scramble to this area because they're essentially fighting one ship and however many Jupiter suits are in it. True, okay. So that was Chapter 6, uh, which was called Goddess's Betrayal. Chapter 7, The Ones Who Have Fallen Into the Ground. Harrison, again, he's approaching the falling Tobia in Europa, and he tells Bernadette to catch him with the cape, which is a good thought. I like that. And at this point, Isaac, this is the first time when Tobia is forced to reveal himself to Harrison as the X-1's pilot. I think when they met before, Harrison just thought they were part of Black Rose shipping. So Harrison actually fell for the, the disguise last time, but here now, all the cards are out on the table. And it was kind of funny, because doesn't Harrison kind of forget who he is at first and doesn't recognize Tobia? <laughs> Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, I think that kind of checks out now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, you were at that that conflict that almost destroyed the world. <laughs> like, so many things fell into place for Harrison here, I think. So so this whole catching Toby in Europa works out, and they take Harrison back to Suzuki, who Harrison immediately salutes, because remember, in the first uh, volume, we learned that Suzuki was Harrison's teacher to some extent, and apparently, we, you know, we find out that Suzuki was the original Blue Flash, which is Harrison's nickname. We find out that, you know, during the Cosmo-Babylonia War, many of Suzuki's students died, and Harrison doesn't blame uh, Suzuki for that. He, he blames the Federation for their, their planning, essentially. So, Isaac, we get back to our what we've been saying since we reviewed F-91, which is we still need a series of, of this that fills in that gap between F-91 and Crossbone. 
This is my new headcanon, Isaac, because remember oh, we were talking about what happened to Darrell. Right. Maybe oh. Harrison killed him. Wow. He's got to earn that nickname, you know, Blue Flash somehow. Why, yeah. why is he so revered? That's how I'm going to think about it. I feel like Vera might have mentioned it, right? Cecily might have mentioned it by now, you know? If she wasn't on the battlefield, though, she may not know who killed him. That's true, too. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. I like that. Good headcanon, Brian. But see, just, it just goes to show you, there's a story there that could be told, so. Yeah. I guess we won't be seeing Dorel's Revenge <laughs> based on that. Well, actually, no, because there's a difference between thinking and pretty sure you killed somebody and that person actually being dead. So True. He, he could yeah. be under assuming like, yeah, I did kill him. You blew up. I was like, well, no, but I mean, comic book rules. He survived. <laughs> yeah, we, he could come back uh, as you know, Iron Dorel, right? He could look like Iron Mask or something. Iron Dorel. <laughs> Darth Dorel, you know. Sure. We'll play the music again. We'll play the <laughs> the literal Imperial March. Just rip yeah. it off. I'm sure Disney won't care. <laughs> <laughs> Here's when Gary decides that I'm going to go with Utopia to fight these Callisto brothers because, I, frankly, I hate their guts. Uh, that's essentially why he's going, right? Out of hatred for Callistos? Yeah, I mean, what a great motivator, right? The enemy, my enemy, is my friend. I'll leave behind my chef career and go to, <laughs> to just mop the floor with this, this candidate I really didn't like. <laughs> So they're, you know, they're, they're proceeding on to find the Icarus and find other people. They've got burned. They've got Gary. So now they're going to go find Raspberry. Tobia brings Europa some food. And they, they've basically locked her up now, Isaac, because she is essentially a spy, although maybe not willingly. And she's really worried that Tobia shouldn't be talking to her. And, and maybe he's actually going to reveal something to Shadow and Light. So it turns out what they're going to do, Isaac, is they heard that Raspberry's in, I think, North America. But then uh, Europa's like, hey, I am actually falling in love with you. <laughs> and Bernadette is apparently listening to this conversation from outside. This is a really weird love triangle, Isaac. I don't, I, again, I don't think this was our favorite in volume one. It's just getting weirder as it goes on here. Yeah. And I mean, she's not in the best frame of mind, right? She just saw her no. sinister brother show up and then they got whisked away after a short battle to to go and try to find raspberry it's she's an emotional wreck yeah. <laughs> and she's dealing physiologically she's dealing with earth's gravity <laughs> <laughs> her soul is weighed down by earth's gravity yeah so the emotions are coming out and she latches on to the one hero that she can tobia to our dreamy 18 year old tobia <laughs> yeah time flew right originally it was 16 or something 15 yeah oh, yeah 15. now our boy is 18 he's a man he's out in the world just yeah. Knocking down space princess after space princess, apparently. <laughs> Swoon. So Harrison and Suzuki split off to go find the Icarus while the rest of everyone look, goes and looks for uh, Raspberry. Bernadette and Europa end up, they do end up having like a, a conversation and, and she kind of, Bernadette kind of breaks down a little bit and is like, hey, when I do finally return home to Jupiter, Toby is not going to be able to live there. So I only have a limited amount of time left with him. So please don't take him away. Which I found that really weird, Isaac. I didn't really get the sense that she planned to go back to Jupiter is she really going to be welcome back? I thought about that too. I was like, well, how much love is there for you still now that dogate has gone? You know, how much was really dependent on him since he was your father? But right. then the more I thought about it, I was like, even during combat, when the Jupiter troops knew she was with the Crossbone Vanguard, they were still saluting her and stuff like that. So based on her experience and gotta believe the what comes from the horse's mouth, yeah, she'd, she'd be okay. 
she might not be welcome back as a hero, but enough of the population would probably recognize her as, all right, that's the former president's daughter. Uh, we might disagree with her on a lot of things, but let's at least hear her out and give her, you know, the respect she deserves. And I suppose in the beginning of the manga, Europa thought she was dead. So I guess everyone in Jupiter probably thinks she was dead and they don't really know that she was complicit in sort of the, the takedown of Dogati. So, Ooh, Brian, if they thought she was alive and if she stayed at Jupiter, do you think she would have been the next president? And like Callisto would have just been left in whatever sideline show he's in. Oh yeah, I think that's why Europa was a bit mad at her in the, in the beginning, right? Yeah. She said, you know, you should have been here. You could have prevented this. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Now we got these insane twins <laughs> running the. Empire. Yeah, I don't know where they found these dudes, but man, they are. Yeah, like my my insane brothers have decided <laughs> to to try to destroy the planet Earth. It's like those people in your family that you just you never want to talk to, you never want to see. So right. <laughs> So Tobia, Geary, and Burns, they find Raspberry. Turns out, Isaac, she's taken up a new line of work. She travels the country with her mobile suit, and she pops out as a stripper. So she's like, how strippers pop out of a cake? That's her, but she pops out of mobile suit cockpits. She's a mobile stripper. Yeah. Good work is hard to get, Isaac, so I guess wherever you can find it, you take it. (laughs) I mean, you got to do what you got to (laughs) do to make a living. How dare the Federation shame <laughs> Jovian refugees into being mobile suit strippers? So there was no safety net for Raspberry to fall fall back on. So she fell back on the one thing that she knew. She can't kill people. She can definitely break their hearts. <laughs> and r- right away, Isaac Raspberry's like, "Yeah, I'll go with you guys. This is great." She's basically getting turned on by the danger and the and the reward of this mission. What did you think about this for Raspberry? Does it, I guess that's in character. I, I bought it. It's in character, but I really didn't see this coming. It really came out of nowhere. I was like, really? Is this happening? This is like so fan service-y. I, I guess it's par for the course in this whole series, right? Because we've had shower scenes and yeah. changing room scenes and stuff like that. So why not? Why wouldn't there be a mobile suit stripper? Just the space cleavage keeps on coming. In her defense, I mean, the marketing behind, in our world, someone being like a fighter jet stripper or a tank stripper... That would be wild, right? That'd be all over social media. It would. I think it'd be a hit. And yeah. the funny thing is, this was written in the mid-2000s before I think we would have been able to answer that question, right? Like social media wasn't that big back then. It was a, a little bit. Facebook was around. Right. But not, you know, not to the degree it is today. But I totally agree. If someone did this today, they'd be viral for a month. You know, I don't know if it'd be like long standing, right? But she'd make a lot of money up front. Let's just put it this way. There would be a lot of followers on her OnlyFans. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. She found a new niche, right? That like that niche has not been filled on. Well, I, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say that. Maybe maybe that niche has been filled on OnlyFans. But <laughs> someone out there is going to write in and be like, "You should check out, you know, Tank Girl Forty Nine. Comment below if you're like following someone in OnlyFans, like as naked in like the tank or like a fighter jet. <laughs> Maybe they can cosplay as Raspberry and sell it. That's going to be a complex... Co- they're going to be banned from the expos, <laughs> from the anime conventions. Oh. Moving along. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. back to the plot. In the middle of this, Suzuki and Harrison, they turns out they find the Icarus, and it's stuck in the Grand Canyon, Isaac. And at the same time, Raspberry is like, oh, yeah, that thing. I was the pilot of it. And by the way, it was called the Speed King. So, Isaac... Even Anaheim's names are inferior to SNRI. The Icarus, is that's a great name. That makes it sound like a top-tier piece of equipment. The Speed King, that sounds like something that Raspberry would use in one of her shows. 
Yeah, pretty much. It's <laughs> that's that's her finishing move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one name sounds like it'd be a cool government project. The other one sounds like it's a sticker on someone's like modified car <laughs> <laughs> that you see on the freeway. <laughs> terrible, terrible. Yeah. And then you know it gets even worse because right away in the next chapter countdown, the the X one flies the Grand Canyon with with the nozzle in tow, of course, with it, with its sea dew, and the Icarus is there, and we see it for the first time, Isaac. And what were you expecting the Icarus to be? Did you think it was going to be a mobile suit, mobile armor, a ship? What did you think before you saw it? I thought it would be like an experimental mobile suit or something, right? Like yeah, something looking fast. <laughs> yeah, but that's not what it was, was it? No, in a stunning twist, <laughs> it wasn't that at all. It's, in a way, something we've seen before. It's the Mother Vanguard sail, basically duct taped to some nameless mobile suit. So again, Anaheim's name is not great, the Speed King. And now their technology is like, they literally just taped the old stuff back together and called it a day. Pretty much, yeah. But I mean, (laughs) if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And also, it's the only (laughs) thing that'll work in this situation that they have. True, true. So listeners, if you could picture this, the the reason why it got stuck and why no one could find it was Raspberry got it stuck underneath, what would you call it, like a rock outcropping or like a rock arch? Canyon Ridge. And she got it wedged under this canyon ridge. And so you, you can't see it from a satellite because it's under some rocks, <laughs> but you can see it from the side. And so she apparently got it stuck there when she crashed. And then she didn't want to like deal with the consequences of crashing this experimental thing. So she, she just left, like went and became her mobile suit stripper. So <laughs> that's like, <laughs> that's like quitting your job. And then you're like, you know what? That ended badly. I'm just going to go in a completely different industry. <laughs> Yeah, I could just picture her, you know, crashing the thing and then getting out and looking at it and be like, ah, this seems like too much. And then, you know, it's like that Seinfeld, you know, gif where he, he backs out of the theater. He's like, nah, this, this isn't it for me anymore. <laughs> That's basically what she did. You know what? I won't put in my two-week notice. <laughs> I think I'll just leave. <laughs> yeah, she just never came back into work, right? Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, everybody. But um, as we learn, it, it was kind of worked out for the best because you can't see it from from orbit <laughs> yeah she inadvertently saved the day i guess you know it's it's the equivalent of like dropping your phone in that no man's land between like your car seat and like the center <laughs> dash you know the little center divider in your car like. <laughs> bless you rosemary raspberry for all you've given us <laughs> and all your fans so Harrison, you know, and the, and the Federation, they start digging the Icarus out. It's, it seems like it's going to take a while, Isaac. They don't want to damage this thing. It's the only hope they've got left, so they're going to go slow. And he also leaves our heroes. He leaves them a captured Kuvarza, which was the suit that Geary used uh, at the end of uh, Crossman Gundam. Uh, and he also leaves them his personal suit, his F-91. He, he makes a joke here, Isaac. He says, you know, the F-91 is not handling very well, and but I'm going to put it here and make sure that no one takes it or destroys it which was basically said with a giant wink wink. He knows he probably can't get approval to go with them on their mission, but he wants to help them anyway. Yeah, that's as far as he's able to help them in this situation, but good on him. He's a, he's a good man, Harrison. Yeah, I like Harrison. We need more Harrison. I, I really want that story where he you know kicks Darrell's ass in my head cannon. So. I want like a Harrison series. <laughs> yeah, we need to see him in his heyday, right? We need to see him earn that nickname. Let's do it, yeah. Battle with Darrell. Although this doesn't say much for Darrell, because yeah. if Harrison can beat you, you weren't very good to begin with. <laughs> right, Harrison got beat by the monkeys, so I guess Darrell's even, yeah. even worse. It's not great. 
And at this point, we learn, Isaac, that Shadow will be here in four hours. So Shadow now knows roughly where the Icarus is, too, and he's coming. And Harrison's heading out with a team to take his team on, hoping to delay him. Europa tells Toby of something which I was like, oh, man, this is serious. He, she tells Toby that the Jupiter carrier that Shadow arrived on, it actually can't leave the atmosphere. And therefore, her conclusion is that Shadow does not intend to return to Jupiter. And he this is basically a suicide mission. He is going to die here, completing his mission of destroying anything that the Earth has uh, capable of getting to Jupiter. That is the most Jupiter mission I've ever heard of, right? <laughs> like, we'll, we'll even send the president's brother on like a one-way mission because as we've seen with Jupiter time and again, they don't care if their pilots die as long as <laughs> their purpose or mission was completed. It's it's Hero Yui all over again. Pretty much, yeah, except psychopathic and telepathic. <laughs> so Shadow and Light are having this sort of telepathic conversation here. Shadow tells Light, there's a phrase in here that you must love as a history buff. He says, you know, this is a price only those who can move the wheels of history must pay. How, how did you like that one? It is such grandstanding, such vain nonsense that he would say <laughs> that thinking that this will be his great moment in history when it's nothing going to accept an, an attempt at the greatest atrocity in human history. The one other thing that they mentioned here, and, you know, maybe this will be elaborated on later in the story, but it was a bit of a throwaway line, and I, but I assume there's some story behind it. When they're talking, one of them says, I think it was uh, Light, he says, you know, once you're done with this, we will become one again after they ripped us apart in the lab before we were born. What does that mean? Does that mean they were two twins and they took a half of each twin and they, they spliced it with the other one somehow? Or what did you take that to mean? I assumed it meant that in their <laughs> gestation process, they were... What I don't know. I was trying to figure out how far back they went because twins are genetically originally they were one one cell, correct? And then that cell splits, but the DNA in it replicates in the same way. That's why they're identical, right? Something like that. I think there's different types of twins, but I'm pretty sure that's right. one type of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they were identical twins, and that that's what they meant. They the, the back even back then they were one cell because the whole yeah, they, they weren't conjoined. <laughs> we yeah. never got any information they were conjoined so that didn't make sense so i assume that's what they meant they were talking they were getting very metaphysical that oh we were we used to be one cell you know that's why we can hear each other and all that i mean but they said ripped apart in the lab so i was assuming maybe they you know but we never saw it <laughs> no it's 100 percent. this is just whatever they're saying how do they even know what the hell happened they were you know a cell right they yeah when know. were you ripped apart like <laughs> i don't know anyway callisto shadows on his way uh, our friend Derek, he's being like the lookout. He sees Shadow approaching in, in the Cornix and one Jupiter Gundam Isaac. Opposing him are going to be Tobia in the X-1, Giri in the Kuwarza, and Suzuki in Harrison's F-91. So now we are set for a grand duel here in the Grand Canyon. And that brings us to Chapter 9, the deadly battle in the Narrow Valley. Suzuki takes the Jupiter Gundam while Tobia and Giri try to take Shadow. And they just can't hit him again, Isaac. Geary can't even hit him with the whip, which I thought if anything was going to be able to hit him, it was that Covarzo whip because that thing was pretty fast. But Shadow unleashes some... They were funnels, and they looked like feathers to me. Was that... I suppose that's right because the Cornix kind of looks like a bird. Yeah, pretty much. But it's final battle on Earth. That's what this is. It's a canyon showdown. <laughs> if there was a tumbleweed, Isaac, it would blow by, you know, before the battle started. <laughs> so back at the Icarus, Bernadette is begging Europa to help. So she goes to help Raspberry with the computer in the Icarus. Raspberry has been trying to boot this thing up. 
And now, Isaac, I just want to point out, we have the climax of the story where both individuals with the big space cleavage are in the same cockpit. Clearly, this was Hasegawa's master plan. The thing's not working because Raspberry installed some Jupiter operating system on it. And Europa, I think we had a thought up to this point, Isaac, but we really learned now that Europa, she kind of has a death wish here. I think she feels terrible about this whole thing. Yeah, not only is she related to the guys behind the plot, but she's leading the resistance. It's her own people doing this attack. There's a lot of weight on her shoulders. Yeah, and it's not going well, right? She's sort of accidentally given them information this whole time. Her whole her whole life has been spied on, and she didn't even know it. So she's not feeling good. Like you said, she's in a bad headspace. This makes me question, like, how has her resistance been so effective? Are, are they really just good at, like, compartmentalizing information? Or, I don't know, are they... Do, do members of the resistance know that she's kind of telepathic? And they're like, well, she's on our team, but let's kind of limit what we tell her. <laughs> Uh, that's a good question. I think some may argue that her resistance didn't go so well because they all died. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, most of them at least. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, Shadow starts grandstanding again, saying he's the eternal hero and he's going to sacrifice himself for the Empire. Tobia rushes him. And this is the part I didn't really get about the fight, Isaac. Tobia accuses him of sort of lying and, and saying that he's actually just really afraid of taking all the lives of the people on Earth. And he's sacrificing himself to like make himself feel better about killing all those people. I didn't really buy that line of reasoning from Toby. I, I really think shadow and light. They're just like you said, kind of, you know, psychotic maniacs. Yeah. It's just, uh, Toby is a young man still. <laughs> <laughs> he's got his worldview and development, Brian, but as readers, we all know, okay, this is, this is universal century by the numbers. There's an insane villain who's militarized a faction and they're going to cause a lot of problems. <laughs> I guess he could have just been trying to distract him too, but anyway, Shadow unleashes the the funnels again, which I don't know why funnel technology went out of style, but they're not doing too well against it. It damages the Kovars, it damages the F91, uh, it ruins Tobia's poncho, Isaac, his his beam mantle. <laughs> Meanwhile, Harrison's team they take down the Jovian ship, and his whole team's like super happy. But then this was like very morbid, right? Harrison's like not happy because he's like, well. Yeah, I guess it's good that we stopped the ship, but now the higher-ups are going to like see no reason to evacuate, which basically guarantees that they will be in the capital when the colony laser fires at them. I thought that was like a really interesting take. Yeah, but I mean, if that weapon fires, does it matter who's in the capital? <laughs> <laughs> True, I guess the, the whole Earth is going to feel it somehow. That but... means it's operational and 12 more shots are on the way. <laughs> Yeah, fair, fair. <laughs> it's like the scene in Resident Evil. I think it was the second Resident Evil movie. We're like, oh my god, a nuke's headed towards the city, and like one of the characters stands up and says, "What yield?" <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, that that's when they should have consulted some scientists for the movie, probably. Yeah, well, in a movie about <laughs> zombie virus, I don't that's think true. I don't think there's much consulting needed. <laughs> This brings us to the final chapter. Blade's getting close. So we here we have the standoff. It's just Toby and Shadow now. Tobia at this point believes that Shadow has used up all of his funnels. But back at the Icarus, the tripod and the Jupiter, they reach the Icarus. So it's do or die time for the team at the Icarus. The Jupiter Gundam jumps on Burns in... What do you think that mobile suit attached to the Icarus was, Isaac? Was it... It looked like a crappy Jagan to me. It was some type of worker suit, right? Yeah, that, it was... that they left behind. Like, uh, honestly, it, it looked like something very clearly along the lines of, yeah, a Jagan or a, a GM, a Nemo, something like that. So your standard run-of-the-mill, half-useless Federation suit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Burns, he shoots off the Jupiter Gundam, but now the tripod is going after the Icarus, and Europa, she actually disengages the crappy mobile suit from the Icarus, and they're falling now, and they're going to fall into the beam rotors, Isaac, which is going to be, that's going to be a terrible death. Beam rotors? I think it'll be quick. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that better or worse than a beam saber? Um, or is it the same? I guess it's the same, right? I guess it's the same, yeah, because it's going to be hopefully a quick heat death. Oof, that's terrible. At this point, Derek finally does something good, and he he blows the tripod out of the sky. So finally, Derek gets his time to shine. And Europa, again, we see her death wish here. I think she, at this point, was really hoping that she had died, but she didn't die. Like, this was her way of sacrificing herself. It didn't work out, and she's still alive. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to her. Yeah. <laughs> Will she get her death wish, Brian? <laughs> uh, Probably. I mean, this is looking more and more like a suicide mission, Isaac, so I'm, I'm expecting... Volume three to be heavy on the heavy on the deaths, but we'll see. We'll find out. So Toby and Shadow they have their final duel. Shadow rushes in real close, just like on the moon where Toby got his arms cut off and his cockpit cut off. And Toby actually planned for this. So when Shadow goes for the same maneuver again, Toby uses the eye field hands to block the beam, which is something that uh, Toby didn't have before. So Shadow doesn't know about it. And Shadow, you know, uses the mouth beam cannon to retaliate, but Toby just sticks his eye field hands into the Cornix's mouth, severely damaging the Cornix's face. And then Toby shoots him with the Vulcans. So we're, it's, this is playing out much like the end of Crossbone Gundam, which because that's kind of how Toby had destroyed the the last Divinidad, right? He he put his hands into the mega particle cannon and just kind of said no and redirected the beam, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is the best way to use that technology. <laughs> yeah, those iField hands, man, they need to start making more of those. Those seem real good. Can we cover the mobile suit in iField like little <laughs> little circle generators? <laughs> I mean, I guess they've tried, right? The the dendrobium. <laughs> the dendrobium did that, yeah, and the new Gundam did as well. I guess it's just a power issue. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Shadow tries to, you know, slash him, but Tobia counters with our favorite weapon, Isaac, those foot daggers. Man, those are great. He impales those on the Cornix's hand, and Tobia cuts off the Cornix's arm with the Zanber, but then he's distracted, Isaac, which is it's never something you want to be when you're fighting Shadow. Shadow knocks his Zanber away, steals it, and he then reveals that he saw Europa die and the Icarus be destroyed through Europa's eyes. And so he's a little confused, and he's about to slash Tobia when he takes beam fire from two directions from the Quavarza and the F91. And he is just shocked that they are still alive. And then he sees Europa is somehow still alive, and he's just all confused now, Isaac, because he thought he saw her die through her eyes. And I guess it's because Europa actually thought she was going to die. So this is this goes back to what you said, that it's not like a one-to-one thing, I suppose. Yeah, it's from what I gleaned just based on this situation, it's what the person is thinking about which can be influenced by what they see, right? And how right. they, what information they're getting. But they seem really able to influence it. So, and that's what happened in this case. And he'd been shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he gets shot from behind, basically, by Geary and Suzuki. And I guess he was mortally wounded by the shots. Is that right? Because then he, he didn't really do much after that. He kind of just, his suit stopped moving and it, it was reaching for the sky and it was raining. He he really didn't want to die because he had failed, and it it wasn't it didn't go at all like his grand plan. Yeah, he died very much in a way like Ulysses, right, where the three beams kind of hit him, and they kind of intersected and crossed through him. So he's fried. He's done. Very cool death scene. Yeah, I like that panel a lot. And after that, that's that's kind of the end of the volume two. Our you know our heroes are going to prep to depart for Jupiter. 
I guess the one thing that happens after here, Isaac, which is very ominous, we flash back to Jupiter, and there, light, the way he describes it is he captured his heart, which I'm assuming to be his consciousness, uh, right before Shadow died, and he puts Shadow into a biobrain unit, and then in the background there are these two large mobile suits in the biobrain room. So I suppose we're going to see them both again, Isaac. This doesn't seem to be the end of Shadow. Well, you never know, Brian. <laughs> in what form he may return. <laughs> so that's Volume 2. What, overall, I guess, any other thoughts about Volume 2, Isaac? I felt like it was very much a um, a well-paced response to what started on the moon, right? Mm. Where, where Callisto's shadow showed up, slapped him around in the Koenig, and then now they get a rematch this time in like the canyon on Earth where the battle's kind of escalating and when they got the whole team together, really. And now it's payback time. So I, th- I thought it was a very well done battle. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I thought you said the change of scenery was good. It didn't quite feel like you were retreading the same battle, right? Because, you know, one was on Earth in space. There's no gravity here. They're on Earth. There's gravity. You know, they were obviously more prepared. You had new people in play. You had Suzuki and, and uh, Geary there. Again, pretty vicious. The cool death scene. Overall, I really liked it. I thought Volume 2 read really fast, which is good. You know, you don't want something feeling like it's taken forever. That's never a good sign. So pacing was good, I agree. At this stage, I assume that our Steel 7, and the seven people that are going to go to Jupiter here, I suppose that's Tobia, Geary, Burns, Raspberry, Suzuki, and Derek, I suppose, and then probably Ropa. I think that's seven. Well, Brian... Not to tip my hand too much, but let's just say there's a really awesome panel in the in the next upcoming manga. Oh, yeah, I'm totally expecting that. That's the, what I want to see Like okay. in the beginning of the next one. I want to see that lineup shot. I assume that's what you're... Is that what it is? I'm absolutely talking about like an astronaut-type lineup shot where shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder walking towards the viewer. It's like straight out of Armageddon with Bruce Willis, you know, and him and his... Uh... <laughs> Him and his crew of oil drillers. <laughs> the Federation anthem in the background as they walk. Yeah, and then he tells Ben Affleck, you take care of my girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he nukes that asteroid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to close my eyes. <laughs> so that's Steel 7 Volume 2, everybody. How many Harrows would you give it, Isaac? Oh, man. You know what? I was ambushed in this story. Because never in a million years did I think I'd see the mobile suit stripper, Raspberry. (laughs) (laughs) But here we are. So for that reason, and the fact that um, this is kind of the the breath before the uh, the big finale, right? Before the plunge. Mm -hmm, Calm before the storm, although there was a lot of fighting. I'm going to give it a four out of five. And I enjoyed it, and I'm not giving it five out of five, because that's going to be coming later, I think. But it did everything it needed to to get us from where we started in the story up to this final battle that's about to happen. Agree. Yeah, I would, I would give it the same, 8 out of 10 Haros. That's the same thing I gave Volume 1. To your point, this is the kind of story where it's building to one big event, right, at the end. That's that's just kind of what these suicide mission stories are. You're not going to peak before that. As long as it hits its peak, I think it can reach that, that 10 out of 10, you know, 9 out of 10 category. So we'll see. I haven't read it yet. But as, based on precedent, you know, Crossbone ended very well. So I'm, I'm hoping that this one ends well as well. So, <laughs> Brian, would you want the tripod? <laughs> it's kind of a mobile armor, really. Like a model of it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I would as long as I could also have a Jupiter Gundam to go with it. Ooh, okay. 
I think the Jupiter Gundam would win, though. Like, if you had to choose one, obviously. Oh, yeah, that's true. But I just mean it'd be, it'd be weird to have a tripod without the Jupiter Gundam because I feel like in almost all the scenes there was a Jupiter Gundam hanging on to one of the tripods. Right. Okay. Okay. I can respect that. So we, I think we've both expressed interest in, in seeing a Jupiter Gundam model kit. I don't think there is one. It, it, definitely not at the 1-100 scale. Maybe no. at the 144 scale. But uh, what about the Cornix? That That's a pretty cool suit. I was thinking about that today. I was thinking to myself, well, it's such an unusual looking suit. It is. And I would almost want it to move in the same way it does, where it's essentially double jointed in all of its joints. Yeah. <laughs> but part of me wonders, like, can it even stand? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they might have to use different connectors or something. But I also just don't know if there's a market for it. I mean, how many people have even read this manga? No, the, zero. The answer is zero. <laughs> because even, even if you have read it, the Cornig is way low on anybody's list to buy, you know, for their next Gunpla. Probably. I mean, they they do sell the X1 patchwork, the suit that Tobia uses in the battle. Yeah. They actually just recently, within the last, like, year or two years, released Geary's suit that he takes to Jupiter. It's pretty much a big Nagina, but, like, they slapped a Gundam face on it. <laughs> yeah, and then it has, like, the Kuvarza whip, I think, yeah. right? So. But they sell that. So I don't know if they're like gradually building up that you could make a Steel 7 lineup. Because they do sell a Master Grade Crossbone X1 full cloth. They do sell the F90 version that I think that's Suzuki the piloted. I don't know. So that you, you can make like three or four out of the Steel 7. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. I don't know if they'll go full in on the other guys. Because, you know, making a Tortuga, right? <laughs> yeah. That's that's a whole different... Is there a lot of people going to buy the Tortuga? I don't know. You have to 3D print at that point. Yeah, that that's a big task, but... So I'm definitely looking forward to Volume 3, Isaac. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens to the, the crossbone. It needs a makeover, right? I don't think the patchwork is going to get it done. If, again, if you haven't checked out Steel 7, highly recommend it, listeners. If you enjoyed Skull Heart and Crossbone Gundam, I think you're going to enjoy Steel 7. We're back to the serious tone. <laughs> this yep. is this is noticeably more serious. <laughs> I've heard that Crossbone may get off the rails a little bit later on. But at least through Steel 7, it still seems pretty good to me. So it's still an enjoyable read. I really like it. Yeah. So I recommend it. Yay. And <laughs> hopefully we get some answers to what's going on with uh, the Callisto situation. And uh, is this the last we've seen of Callisto's shadow? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm thinking no. And the Callisto brothers, the, Isaac, those are some villains that I'm going to be really happy it, when someone kills them. Well, you'll have to tune in and find out next time, Brian. <laughs> All right, listeners, make sure to like, comment, subscribe. One of the best parts of the show is reading your comments and talking to you all out there, so please leave us a comment. Isaac, take us away. All right, listeners, before you go to sleep tonight, stand next to your bed, get on your knees, put your hands together, look up at the ceiling, and hail Callisto's shadow. Good night, everybody. <laughs>